Hello, I'm Gail Gibson, accredited master coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. Hello, in this episode, I am talking to Jan Cavell, writer, coach, mentor and speaker. Now, Jan is an entrepreneur from the UK who has decades of running micro and small businesses behind her. She is very familiar with all the challenges that go with that, having started one from the kitchen table when her children were small and she was a single mother, to go on to build that into a multi-million pound turnover business. Jan has put her entrepreneurial experiences together with her passion for writing in a book aimed at helping entrepreneurs to grow their businesses during the leap of one to 10 million. The book is called Scale for Success and is now out in the UK from Bloomsbury with early July publication in the US and Australia. So welcome to the show today, Jan. Gail, thank you so much for having me on. I've been very excited to talk to you. Wonderful. So the first thing, Jan, can we take a short walk through your life? If you could give us a glimpse of your background and how you arrived at helping people to grow and succeed in business. Sure. It's, I mean, it's a fairly long life now, so I shall endeavour to snapshot it for you. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I I came from a generation and background where girls were brought up to get married and not much else. So I've had to wing it um, most of my life and learn on the hoof as such. And uh, as you say, I've done a few businesses, small SMEs, being self-employed, you know, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. But it was when I hit motherhood and I was extremely flat broke, to put it mildly, and desperate out that I took on a business or started a business initially literally to put food on the table. But then when it began to grow gradually, I realised that there was a chance for making a better life for my kids. And so I set about growing it to a a much bigger size, and uh, which I did over a period of, uh, well, I ran that business for over 20 years. And I guess the sort of fast growth period was probably five to 15, that, that sort of middle segment. So uh, that, that took a fair chunk of my life. And during that, I started to write and I started to write for business magazines. And I also started to get involved in campaigns to help other entrepreneurs, both locally and for the UK government. And I discovered just how incredibly rewarding that is. So that became one of my passions. Fantastic. What an introduction, you know, and the transformation I hear in your voice from quite humble and challenging beginnings and then you realised you had found something that was growing 
and you then took the opportunity to grow it and you did so for, as you said, 20 plus years. And then that moved you into that world of business and all that comes with it and then working with others. And I, I love the way you brought that introduction to a close by saying you discovered the reward of being able to give something back. And it sounds like that has come through in your book as well. So can you tell me then, let's go back to that beginning and you used a term, you had to learn on the hoof and then you said you were flat, broke and desperate. Tell me about the challenge that that was, you were facing at that time where you said the business that you took on was about putting food on the table for your children. Tell me what was going on in your mind at that time and, and how did you see this business helping you to, to be able to achieve that even as a starting point? It was a, a sort of two-stage thing, really, Gail. I mean, I find myself separated initially, divorced later, as, as does happen, but separated. And with these two children, we had a roof over our heads providing I, I could pay the bills for it, but that was literally about all I was on, sort of social support over here. And, you know, the choices were go out to work and put them in childcare mm -hmm. or work for myself. And so to me, work for myself was a better option. And I'd done quite a bit of sales work. So I thought, you know, simply find a, settle on a product I can sell and uh, on the phone and look after them at the same time. And that's literally how the thing started was just, buying in stuff and flogging it on as a sales operation <laughs> with no dreams at all of, of mm -hmm. building a mega business. It was just, you know, could I make enough markup on what I was selling that week to look after us for a week ahead? Right. Okay. So it was week to week and, and hand to mouth, really, wasn't it? That, that beginning stage, that's what I'm hearing. So yeah, what was absolutely. that point then? What was that point then, Jan, that you realised that you were onto something and you were starting to see a dream that could be realised? I think, I mean, I guess about a year or so in after, you know, quite a few occasions when I thought, you know, this isn't going to happen, we can't keep going. But a year or so in, it began to feel like something permanent. By that time... Um, we were doing furniture and, and by that time we were still buying the furniture in but I had a couple of guys who were finishing it and you know I, we got a, maybe it was a couple of years in but we got a tiny little farm I think it was an old pigsty or something exotic like that uh, you know <laughs> our first factory unit um, which was you know about as big as could swing a pig in it um, but uh, you know, it, it, it was a sort of proper business all of a sudden and there were other people involved and, and that went on for about three or four years and the children were still very small. I mean, my youngest was for a primary, mm -hmm. you know, so the, the working hours had to be juggled still a lot and the guys were great. I knew them very well and we just had a lot of fun. We all worked very hard, but we made it work for us and it was a perfect start-up. And it was after that when the children had hit their teens that it, it began to grow more seriously because the people who were making most of the furniture um, 
decide you did, they'd had an old, old man who ran the business decided to retire mm -hmm. and offered me the opportunity to buy it out on me and pay him when I could uh, uh, or not have any furniture. There wasn't an in-between offer. So in desperation, okay. <laughs> I, I agreed, you know, thinking I've got no choice by this. Um, but so, so, you know, then I had two tiny industries and that made sense to put under one roof. And all of a sudden you were looking at it for the first time, a proper factory unit. And there were all of five of us at the time. <laughs> you know, and of course, that, that immediately starts to take on traction and, you know, bills are much bigger than you think they're going to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, and the fight is much bigger. And the only answer is to keep growing to pay this bills for rent and keep those guys on so the next thing you know you need more people and the whole thing grew and the next thing I knew was 40 odd people and two factories it's crazy wow what a growth from as you said that that kitchen table yeah being a single mum with two small children and then you <laughs> via the pig pen and then to 40 <laughs> staff and and two businesses and and the growth that you achieved. So in that process, you know, you you sound to me that you're, you've always been somebody who has been very risk, you've embraced risk. So tell me about that and what really encouraged you to keep doing that? Was your purpose your children or was your purpose just to allow this evolution to take place? It was 100% my children. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 101% my children. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't think about it uh, as how high a risk it was. Now I look back and think, you know, I must have been start wearing staring mad. <laughs> and it was actually, oddly enough, it was it was later on I was going for the East of England entrepreneurs were being interviewed for a particular high-profile high enterprise campaign to help others. Um, of, the, of the type that I'd been involved in before but mm. we were finally selected and there was about 10 of us I think and they went around the room and uh, said you know um, these are the reasons we chose you and it got to me who was last and they said we chose you because you were the biggest risk taker and I looked around all these people with you know sort of loads of qualifications and business knowledge and one thing and another and I thought what am I? And then I thought, yeah, I have done some crazy, crazy things. <laughs> oh, fantastic. But, you know, risk is all about building resilience. So what would you mm. say is the biggest thing that you have then learned as a result of all of the risks that you probably continue to take now? Well, yeah, I guess I do. you know, with the writing, it's, a, it's, a, it's an emotional risk because you look mm -hmm. yourself out. But um, I think, you know, risks, I, in many ways, I, I certainly don't regret taking risks. And, and actually, I was more risky in business than I was in my personal life, probably partly because I didn't have opportunities as a single mom. But looking back, I think, you know, why didn't I do more crazy things? You know, I did some traveling when I was young and things, but not nearly enough. But, you know, I'm a great believer in you know, taking, taking life by the horns and doing as much as you can. And I've encouraged my children to do that. And they've done mm -hmm. amazing things, you know. 
Um, you know, we only get one crack at this, and, and why not go for it and live it to the full? Exactly, exactly. So is there anything when you reflect back on the journey that you've had then, Jan, that you would do differently if you had a chance to do it again? On the business journey or just generally? Or on the, on the business journey that you have been on. On the business journey, I would have got out of that business quicker, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when the children got to a certain age, um, you know, I thought I would go on with it because it was a sensible thing to do. And there is absolutely no why and passion in sensible. So I just didn't have the same oomph to, to fight all the gremlins and to inspire others and everything mm-hmm. else. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was becoming increasingly harder to scale up anyway, because it was at a certain stage. And for all sorts of reasons it just became a battle and a battle increasingly I was thinking why am I doing this I'm not enjoying it anymore and you know mm-hmm, it's gone mm-hmm. and this is the crazy way to be um so actually and it took me a long while to come to that conclusion and I was pretty unhappy and very burnt out by the end of it so yeah I wish I'd got out a good sort of five seven years sooner Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at that stage then that you were in that burnout period, what did you have to find in yourself to pick yourself back up again and, and get on with what was in front of you and for that living purpose that is and continues to be your children? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a, a duty thing that kept me going which is an awful, awful way to live your life you know I felt I should do this on all the time my health was deteriorating and it got mm. to the stage I mean the last couple of years for doctors because um, I had so many health problems the doctors were saying you've got to stop it you're killing yourself and I was going but you know I, I ought to keep going and, and it's just crazy it's it's no mm. way you know there's Determination and grit and resilience is great, but when something's not right, you also need to say enough's enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it definitely got to that point. When it starts, anything starts affecting your health, you should say quit. Yes, yes, I completely agree. And I've, I've witnessed too many people who've approached burnout, particularly at this junction in our world today. And mm. and the as you say, duty comes to the front and people believe they have to be loyal, they have to do more hours, they have to send that last email and and it gets an ever-increasing list of things to continually do and there's no switching off time. And so, as you said, health is impacted and it's a very dangerous place to get to. Yeah, it is, absolutely. And, you know, I would entreat anybody who finds themselves there to revise the way they're thinking and, mm, and put themselves mm. and so how do you so, sorry how do you do things differently now then Jan how do you get to that point or step in before that point is reached in your life now in your business how do you hold yourself back from going over that burnout waterfall well <coughs> I mean I'm lucky in that I absolutely love to write so you know that's my personal thing it's not for somebody else and mm-hmm. it's got to 
well, it, it is for somebody else, and that I hope that actually people gain by reading what I write. But, but it's also an indulgence in me. It's my lifetime dream. I wanted to do it as a child. I'm incredibly lucky to end up here doing it now. So, you know, that, that's a big help. <laughs> but it, it is, like so many entrepreneurs, it is my weakness, self-care. You know, it's something we're not, on the whole, very, very good at. Mm-hmm. And if you add in having been a single mom and a solo entrepreneur, you know, you are so used to putting yourself last and not mm-hmm. bothering with self-care and, oh, well, I haven't really got time for that. So I have to very, very consciously work at it and, and literally put it in my diary of, you know, take a lunch hour and, you know, meditate and, and all the things that I do do now. But if I didn't write them down as a job, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> you wouldn't get them into your day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's so true. I, I hear everything that you're saying. And, and, you know, I do a lot of work in self-care through the performance coaching work that I deliver. And it is it is about finding something that works for you. And it also is how you can make it fit into the routine that is your life. So everybody has different responsibilities and different challenges that they have to face. And there's no one set way to ever create a self-care routine, but it really has to be something you enjoy and it has to be something that gives you the real chance to switch off. Um, But how you do it and how you manifest it in your world is entirely up to you. I so agree with that. You know, when I first uh, did end up what I thought was retiring before I decided to go on writing, which didn't take very long. But I, I was so tired and so exhausted. And, mm. you know, I read and listened to lots of self-care stuff and I started trying things and thinking, I'm really just not enjoying this. And, you know, you have to, as you so rightly say, find the combination of stuff that's good for you. You know, I, I love to walk in nature and I still love that. You know, in fact, for me, I would rather do than an exercise class. But if an exercise class is your thing, go and do that. That's right. That's right. So is walking in nature your number one go-to or have you got some, have you found some other way to to have your <laughs> I, self-care routine? I love routine? to walk in nature and I love to go, go near water too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've actually moved consciously and one of uh, moved house and one of my conditions was it needed to be near water and I'm only about six miles from the sea oh, which beautiful. is uh, brilliant beautiful. so I can lift down there and do deep breaths of uh, a sea which helps a lot and um, so that combination is really good for me and, and yeah I do meditate and I do gratitude routines and um, I'm trying to think what else I do really you know just find consciously do less at a weekend, you know, not not have that inclination to just check emails and be there six hours later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so yeah, I guess. But but walking walking is, is a huge bit of it, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I share that joy with you. It's um mm-hmm. nothing nothing better than getting out first thing in the morning. And I love the dawn here in Malaysia. It's probably the coolest part of the day. And um, it's it's a beautiful time to be out there with the birds. I have I have jungle just near me, and I get to hear all kinds of sounds. The cicadas are still clicking away, and there's just a, an abundance of bird life here. So I I get that joy every morning um, for I'm a walk, and it just sets me up for the day. It's really as you 
enjoy being by the sea. It's um, yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be and to take those deep breaths, as you said. It's on my many, <laughs> many lists of places I'd like to visit. I must say, it sounds wonderful. Oh, it is a beautiful, beautiful place. When the world opens up again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So tell Apple so thing. tell me about your tell me about your book then, Jan, your scale for success. How is it going? And and uh yeah, tell me all about well, it. it. I mean it came about because I'd been writing articles for years and it struck me that I had more time and suddenly thought maybe I could put a book together. And I'd been fascinated by this sort of leap from your startup size business, which are small SME, to something more substantial, um, depending on sector. I mean, I, I generalize and say between one and 10, but it is that sector where you just move out uh, and you create something that exists separate from you, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to that's gonna last sustainably and all those things. And, and it's tough to do. We all hear starting a business is tough, but we hear less about how tough it is to scale one. And so I thought, could I write a book about this? And uh, eventually decided I'll give it a go. And I involved some entrepreneur friends to contribute ideas and went to Bloomsbury with it. And very luckily, they decided to take me on and um, publish, which is incredible for my first book I'm so chuffed and um, so yeah it's it's out in the UK has been for two or three months and, and just coming up to the Australian and American launch which is just just mind-blowingly exciting. Fantastic and that, as you say as a first-time author to be taken up by a publishing house as big as Bloomsbury that's um, a wonderful a wonderful reward for you as well so oh, yeah. I, I hope you I hope you achieve a great deal of success with it. And and also, as you say, it's that bridging that gap for so many people who do have brilliant ideas and so much innovation and very curious minds to get out there. But it is that leap between that one and 10 that you say that is just to say, this is how it's done. This is what you need to do. This is how you can do it and then get out there and make it happen. So... Um, a wonderful, wonderful book to inspire a lot of people. Well, so people can I just ask you then, so sorry, yeah, sorry, please. Yeah. That's all right. It was a bit of a delay there. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, we're a long way away from each other. So <laughs> I'm pretty well on the time lags, I think. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So I'd like to ask you at this moment then, Jan, what are three can-do tips that you would like to leave the listeners with today? Well, the first one, Gail, is to look after yourself because if you don't, you'll run out of steam. It's as simple as that. You know, be done with this attitude of I'm always the last one to be looked after, you know, because you can't look after your business, you can't look after the people in your business or your children or anybody else around you. If you can't, don't look after yourself. You cannot go on forever without doing it. So that's number one. Number two, I think, is be adaptable, you know, because some things will always be out of your control. However much you plan, read, listen, whatever, you know, and just entrepreneurship doesn't go to plan any more than life does. 
you know, so to learn that skill of adaptability is absolutely vital for survival. And and to recognise that, you know, things happen and that's not going to be your fault too, mm -hmm. you know, not that's part of adaptability. Um, you know, sometimes it isn't. <laughs> and lastly, you know, find something you care about enough because it is only in the long run a passion that will get you out of bed in the morning. I love it. It's a passion that gets you out of bed in the morning. Fantastic. I love all three of those, and I think it's wonderful to hear. After, after you've shared your story, and again, the listeners will be able to reflect on the fact that you said you got to that burnout stage and now you've seen the vital importance of prioritising self-care first. You put yourself first. When you're in a good position, you can then make everything else happen in your business as well. So thank you for those three wonderful can-do tips for our listeners. So my final question for you then, Jen, is why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Well, uh, I mean, I think you just waste so much life if you don't have it. You know, if you're always going to hang back and say, maybe I can, maybe I can't, what are those opportunities you miss? And if you look back, you will only regret the opportunities missed. You won't regret failures half as much, I don't think. Wonderful. You don't try, you don't do, and you miss out on life. Such true words. And, you know, just listening to your story, and I know it's been a snapshot of your life, Jan, and the experiences that you have had. And, the, and it's delightful to hear the fact that you have built something so special in your life, but your purpose was always your children. And you realised that dream, you turned it into something special. And now you are really living your passion by writing and helping others to grow their businesses and succeed as well. So thank you so much for being my guest today. Yeah, my pleasure. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do you live and breathe a can-do attitude? Have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience or intriguing story to share? Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive and real.